It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The It's Friday afternoon here on the Sports Rush. Derek Decker in for Brett Rump today. Adam Lundy and I having a party in the 1380 The Fan Studio. And uh, we have an absolutely jam-packed show for you today. There is so much going on in the world of high school hoops. We've got college hoops. We're in the middle of that season right now. Big in-state team. Got a huge win on the women's side last night. We'll talk more about that. We've also got comments in action this weekend. I mean, there's just a million things we could talk about. You know, I, I feel like I have been blessed with the times that I've covered. It's always during a busy time of the year. Like, if I come in during the summer sometime, we may have to have a, a little more fun. It allows for a little more creative direction to our broadcast. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll say we're creative for now. Adam, how are you this afternoon? Doing well, doing well. Nice day. Oh, it's beautiful nice weather. Out. Yeah, it, this is again. I, I always say, like, I, I'm a baseball guy at heart. I, I won't hide that. I never do. <laughs> I love basketball, but you know, it's. It, I can't say publicly, like, you know, I, I can't say some of the things that maybe I want to mm. say about basketball because of where I'm from. Mm-hmm. But I love basketball. I really do, genuinely. But baseball has a special place in my heart, and it is. It is always going to be number one for me. There's just no way around it. We've got baseball in the studio today. Spring training coming around. It is uh, a, a fantastic time of the year. And this is the time of year you still dream about when you're a kid. It's like 53 degrees today. This is like, if you're baseball, if you're going through workouts and stuff, because I cut off basketball earlier than I cut off baseball in my mm-hmm. playing career. Mm-hmm. So you get outside. These are the days like, hey, I get to take ground balls outside today. <laughs> I get to feel the grass instead of off a gym floor and not hitting a cage. These are great days. But... I digress. We have to start the show today with basketball. Indiana last night takes down Iowa dominant fashion. Caitlin Clark and the crybaby bus rolled into Bloomington last night and uh, threw multiple fits. I I would say that's a a fair assessment. Uh, I, I just don't like the way the team operates. And I have to tell you, before I talk about all the good things that Indiana did, I have to throw a little mini fit about Iowa first. Going back before the Caitlin Clark days, I had the pleasure of covering Iowa in the Big Ten Women's Tournament for a couple of years before Clark got there. And with Lisa Bluter, and they basically had everybody else. The staff was mostly the same on the bench and everything else. Everybody was pretty controlled. They had great players. They had Megan Gustafson, one of the best bigs back in the day. And then they had Sinano, who came in with Clark and played with Clark. And they were great together. They were a good tandem. They had the inside-outside punch. It was great. For the most part, people are still under control. This year, it's been a a totally different level of entitlement from Iowa. And it it was nice to see them get humbled on the road. And and they kind of freaked out when stuff started going south. Remember, this is a team that just blew Indiana out in the second half a few weeks back when IU went to Iowa City. And then they make the return trip where Indiana has not lost this year. First of all, 
on Indiana's side, massively important win. This definitely keeps them in the mix to host a regional. This is their signature win of the season, no question about it, especially after that disappointing loss on Monday against Illinois. So they are definitely still in the mix to host a regional. But Adam, we're also going to talk about the jerseys because I have a, a take on that. But before we get to that, I want to get your opinion. Like, I, I am, I have no problem saying it now. Okay, people have said it. People have, everybody's got their their take on Caitlin Clark, and I, I've said things on this show in the past about what I think about Caitlin Clark. And I, nobody's de- debating or disputing that she is one of the the best players in the history of women's college basketball. What she has done for college basketball on the women's side is incredible. And to say that she doesn't have any trickle-down effect on the rest of the Big Ten or the rest of the country is ridiculous. By the way, they just announced today that every session of the Big Ten Women's Tournament is sold out. In Minneapolis, of all places. This is not even an indie. So, yes, it's closer for Iowa fans, but it has grown the women's game in the Big Ten especially to new heights. But is that enough for you to overlook some of the antics on the floor from Caitlin Clark, from Lisa Bluter, and the whole operation that now is Iowa basketball? Overlook it? No, I mean, I, I mean, it, it's still something. It, it's, it's something that's a cause for concern. It's not necessarily, oh, this is the end of the world. Um, I do think that uh, I like seeing good sportsmanship all around, and and that's what I look for. But uh, I think that the fact that they're just so good, and the fact that they do have some of this personality, does kind of give them the opportunity to be somewhat of a heel. It's just how far do you lean into that heel role and how much do you let that actually affect your actual sense of sportsmanship on the court? I don't know why they feel like they need to take on the role of villain. They were doing just fine in a in a fun role, in a really good role, and they were great in the Big Ten. They, mm. they had some great seasons, but I can see this year in particular for Iowa – And we're going to talk more about Indiana in the second hour because we've got the voice of IU women's basketball and IU baseball, who, by the way, is in the top 25. So we're going to dedicate a segment to that. The top of the second hour, Austin Renders coming up to join the show uh, for the first time with me. But in the meantime, with Iowa, this is definitely looking like a season that might end up being exactly like it was two years ago. They got upset by Creighton in their own regional I can see this thing flaming out really quick. I don't know. That's probably overall kind of bad for the women's tournament. I think they lose some publicity as you go down. And, and you know, nobody's going to talk about the super teams like South Carolina that are just incredible and, in my opinion, unbeatable. I think they're going to cruise to a national championship. But um, she does bring great publicity to the game. But, you know, we, we talked a, a few weeks ago when the whole Ohio State thing happened and, and the flop and all that. Yeah. She got some calls last night, too. I, I watched the game, and she got some calls that only Caitlin Clark or only like, you know, a, a star player, LeBron James type can get. And so I don't know. It, it is what it is. We're going to, again, we're going to talk more about IU in a second hour, but I just had to get that off. Caitlin Clark, there is no question. Okay. Bear with me. I had to say it. She got embarrassed last night. She made a fool of herself. Iowa made a fool of themselves. They got absolutely torched on the road by a good team. Let's not let's not sugarcoat this. Like Indiana's a good team. They're they're a top sixteen team. They're gonna be an NCAA tournament host unless they collapse here in the last couple of weeks of the regular season or maybe an early exit in the Big Ten tournament. But this is not the way this should happen. If you've got uh, a legitimate, you know, a, a best player of all time, generational talent, you cannot get blown out like this on the road. There's just no excuse for that. To get beat on the road is one thing. To get dominated on the road by a team you beat by 25 points a few weeks ago, 
that is unacceptable if you're an Iowa fan. Good thing I'm not. So I don't really care. <laughs> hey, we've got more to talk about. We're going to talk about the jerseys here in a minute. Purdue rolled last night. We've got Shane Alberani coming up later this hour to talk about the Comets. They're in Wheeling tonight. Super, super important weekend for the Comets. Their playoff hopes might hinge on this weekend. they got a lot of ground to make up and 21 games left. Pacers went in last night. We Again, we thought IU women's basketball and baseball in the second hour. We've also got high school hoops preview in that second hour. The girls' state championship this weekend down in Indy. Four sessions tomorrow. Uh, four games, should say. Two sessions, a morning and an afternoon. We'll be there for both sessions. The 2A game featuring Bishop Lewers and Brownstown Central tips off at 1245. I'll have the call of that here on 1380 The Fan. And then uh, Josh Williams will have the call of the 3A game, Norwell against Gibson Southern. So two area teams have a chance to bring home hardware from Indianapolis and I'll also talk with Norwell head coach Eric Thornton in that second hour too talk to him about what he's thinking will be important in this uh, this final ball game of the year final uh, reaching the pinnacle of his career at this point looking for his first ever state championship and then uh, we'll preview what's going on this weekend too but before we get to all that it's time for today's top headlines with Adam Lundy All right, thanks, Derek. Good news for fighting Irish video gamers out there. Notre Dame quarterback Riley Leonard has officially announced he will have his image and likeness in the upcoming EA Sports College Football 2025 video game. Leonard is the first and only Irish player that has publicly announced being in the game so far. The Southland Conference suspended eight players for their involvement in a massive college basketball brawl that followed Texas A&M Commerce's 76-72 overtime victory at Incarnate Word on Monday night. The <laughs> brawl, which broke out during the handshake line, lasted for more than a minute and spilled across the floor as players and coaches from both teams attempted to stop the melee. Four players from each team were suspended for, quote, flagrant unsportsmanlike actions, mm-hmm. end quote, the conference said. The suspensions will begin immediately. A-plus entertainment. I don't care what the suspensions are. It was fun to watch. <laughs> the Miami Dolphins have informed cornerback Xavier Howard that he will be released at the start of the league year. The 30-year-old four-time pro bowler is expected to have significant interest on the market. He had 29 interceptions during his run in Miami. And we're going to do a little spring training scoreboard update here yeah. for all you MLB fans out there. I love there. it. End of third, it's Cubs up 6-1 over the White Sox. Bottom of the fourth, the Rangers have a 3-2 lead over the Royals. Top of the fifth, the Dodgers 2-1 over the Padres. And top of the fourth, it's scoreless between the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. And those are your top stories today, Derek. Thanks a lot, Adam. And we've got baseball on. We mentioned in the studio, it's Dodgers and Padres is on in here. Of course, uh, the Tin Caps flowing down. They're starting to get things together for a brand new season on a brand new surface, I might add. That had uh, gone into Parkview Field during the offseason. And uh, Keith Winter and the crew are keeping that uh, baby groomed up for the season. And it already looks nice and green, even though it's only February. So <laughs> can't wait to see games being played on that. Uh, it, it is just a gorgeous facility if you've never been there. If you're out of the area and listening to us today, uh, and, you know, I, I hope you are because <laughs> I want you to listen to our show. Um, but it, it is a great place to watch a game and cannot wait for the Tin Cap season to start. We're, we were actually just chatting about that before the show went on today and it just almost no better place to spend a summer afternoon or evening or whatever than Parkview Field. It's just awesome. The food's good. The baseball's good. The promotions are good. Uh, you don't even have to like baseball to go. I promise they'll <laughs> welcome you with open arms. It is affordable, family, fun, entertainment. Um, hey, we've got more to talk about with this IU game last night and what they did to Iowa. We mentioned, hey, the Caitlin Clark stuff. Yes, I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much because I could stay on it for two and a half hours. 
but the jerseys. <laughs> mm. we, we, this was a topic of conversation earlier this week. The men wore them on Wednesday against Nebraska. Didn't play well in them. I don't think the jerseys had anything to do with that. Um, but since we are on radio, the, the best description is that uh, the, the Indiana was definitely in a different kind of text. Uh, they were a dark colored uniform, I guess would be the, the best way to describe it. They are one of a kind. And it's Fear of God Athletics. So it's a a label that's produced by Adidas. And I want to get people's opinions on this. Our uh, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. And I want to hear from you. Did you like these jerseys? Because I feel like this is like a polarizing subject, right? You know, it, it felt like it was one of two camps where it was the old school cronies that said, no, we don't like anything new. The Cream of Crimson's good. And then you have the other people that are like, these are freaking awesome jerseys. I think I fall somewhere in between. I I did not necessarily. I don't think they're that great. Um, I don't know about the like the sweatshirts either that the coaches are wearing. They were kind of kind of funky. Uh, went for like the baggy three quarter sleeve look. I I don't know. To me, eh, I could pass on these. And, and I I've seen some some weird iterations of jerseys at Indiana that have never come to fruition. And again, th- this is a, a group that obviously values tradition and history a ton with the cream and crimson and they they basically never wear anything else so they they don't have a lot of creative leeway but they also got a bag for this so <laughs> and adidas adidas owns them mm-hmm. so adidas and indiana have one of the biggest college sports agreements in uh in all of college athletics they have one of the most expensive and lucrative contracts that's ever been built for a college program. So obviously Indiana is at the mercy sometimes of what Adidas wants to do, but they definitely went outside the box. But first of all, again, Park D sports medicine text line, four, six, eight, six, two. Give us your, uh, your opinions. What do you think? Um, did you well, like them for me? I'm, I'm like, it's like, I get what they were trying to do and, and, and appeal to the younger crowd and the, the hip crowd and, and be cool. But <laughs> to me, I think they just missed because I don't know how much you know about this fear of God brand, but mm-hmm. it just, it's not, I'm not claiming to be, you know, the most connected with the youth and everything in the world, but nobody my age cares about fear of God. No. It's, it's not a popular brand. It's it's something that Adidas has been doing for a while, maybe since 2015, when we uh, 2016 or so. The fear of God brand. It was really popular when I was a little bit younger, but nowadays it's just not something that the kids I think are really looking out for. And I don't think that the design was interesting enough for to compensate for it being a brand that nobody really cares about. Yeah, and uh, of course, of all the teams, <laughs> let, let's be honest, like, Indiana's the team that you want to debut it with. Like, I get it. Indiana's big brand, lots of eyeballs and stuff, but... So much tradition. That, number one. And number two, you kind of want to do it on a team that's good and having success <laughs> at the time. So when they're getting blown out by Nebraska on your home court, doesn't look good for the fans or anybody. I I don't know. Yeah. Uh, getting in a couple of texts on our text line. Again, 46862, if you want to chip in on the jersey conversation. Uh, like the jerseys, not a huge fan of the design, but like the black on black look for something different. I will say I support Indiana going and adding the black. Like Nebraska does it. Indiana and Nebraska's color schemes are super similar, and they're both Adidas schools, so they have like a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska does some black. They have like blackout games at home. Yeah. We, we've seen Indiana's played them a couple times in football when they've worn black jerseys. I like that, and that's fine if you want to do the black on black. I, I think it's cool. I, I think blackout can be nice. It's great for like a late night game on a on a Saturday or something. Um, maybe maybe uh-huh. they bring that out for football sometime, you know. But I just don't think 
it, maybe it was the right intentions, but it still kind of swung and missed for me. I have to agree. Definitely a swing and miss. Also, it was a whiteout, wasn't it? And then they wear these. Well, last night, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the women's game last night was a whiteout. Again, there's something to be said for contrasting. But, like, why not wear, like, an iced-out jersey if you're yeah. going to do that? I, I don't know. It just somebody's making decisions, and, and these are the non-important things. But it is something to to look at, and it's something that a, a show with a format like this can give us the chance to talk about. So I'm glad to be able to chat about <laughs> jersey outfits. Uh, and we'll, we'll definitely have to get Austin Render's opinion coming oh, yeah. up in that second hour. Uh, on on what's going through his mind and if he liked the jerseys. They did work out for the women. By the way, they are expecting to debut uh, for Miami's team as well. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Indiana's not the only one getting in on the action, although Miami's definitely been a little bit, had more creativity with their jerseys over the years. Um, again, I uh, part of me wants to still say, like, knowing the tradition and history of Indiana growing up, like, I, there is some sacredness to it, like, there is some simplicity with the floor design and everything else that goes into that. And I, I'm I'm kind of in favor of preserving some of that. I'm not saying never change anything and preserve the history at all costs, but I'm also saying, okay, it's fair to be a little bit leery of making these massive changes when you have such a strong brand like Indiana does. And that, that has nothing to do with their on-court success. Uh, I'm going to really avoid at my at my hardest, not going on an Indiana women, uh, men's basketball rant today because we're going to spend other time talking about other stuff and we got other things. And, and you don't want to hear me going on a rant again. Uh, I do it too often when I get to platforms, so I'm going to try not to do it today. But the point is, they still have a strong brand, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody agrees that they have a strong brand. They're recognizable. They're one of the biggest nationwide brands uh, in athletics, in college sports. Whether you know, and and that has been built on the back of the basketball team. But um, I don't know. To me, it just it didn't feel like it was a, a huge hit. A couple of other uh, texts in. Uh, don't like the black jerseys. And I'm sure Brett hates them, so there's not enough contrasting color between mm-hmm. the uniforms and numerals. I th- Actually, I thought the numbers were easy enough to read. i got to disagree with that because I think even if you didn't like the design, I thought the font was easy enough. Like it was a different shade of red. Like it wasn't super dark. It wasn't just like – I think the outlines and numbers are banned these days. Like I think you have to have like a colored – like a solid fill mm-hmm. inside the numbers. Mm-hmm. I know you do in high school or mm-hmm. it's about to come into play. So – I don't know. I, I think they were easy enough to read. I just didn't like them. That, that's me. That's just me. Um, hey, we got to step away. We got to take a, our first break here on the Sports Rush. When we come back, we're going to talk about the other important in-state school. And, hey, they're having a heck of a basketball season, a little bit better than Indiana. Purdue rolling and a, a great response from Matt Painter's team because they stunk up the joint on Sunday at Ohio State. Didn't have a lot going on. Ohio State team, yes, that was playing with the interim coach and all that. Now, Of course, there's plenty of other stuff going on with Ohio State's program, but Purdue gets the response they needed against a team they have really had a history struggling against the last couple of years. Every time they've gone to Rutgers, they've struggled. They got, uh, you know, they lost to Rutgers at Mackey last year. Of all the teams to lose to, they've been out-rebounded, they've been out-physicaled against Rutgers. Last night, not the case. We'll talk more about it on the other side. You're listening to a Friday edition of the Sports Rush. Derek Decker in for Brett Rump with Adam Lundy on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Mike Nutter, team president of the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, and you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Oh, that's just not true. My name's not Brett, I'm Derek, but hey. It is Derek Decker in for Brett Rump today with Adam Lundy, and we're going to talk some Purdue hoops during this segment because they were really, really good last night. But first, I have to, I have to say, there's, there's two things. One, I'm going to start with 
One text we got in. By the way, Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. You could sign up for breaking sports news. Interact with our shows. Just text FAN to 46862. Be a part of the conversation today. Many of you are chiming in today. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're chiming in. That is what we want. Even if you disagree, please text. Actually, I I want to know if you disagree more than if you agree. So one comparison here that is completely unfair. Okay. And and by the way, if you don't know my background, IU guy graduated from Indiana. I kind of am an Indiana homer. And I criticize him. I'm fair to him, I think, in my opinion. And then, you know, I, I think Purdue is, in my opinion, should be the national championship favorite as it stands right now. And that's just what I think. But for someone to say, we, we got a text in that says, you know, we criticize Iowa too much for getting beat on the road by 17 points by a good Indiana team. Those are all things that I said. I said Indiana's a good team. I think Indiana's going to be an NCAA tournament host on the women's side. At the same time, Iowa stunk last night. Okay, Indiana did whatever they wanted the entire game. And then it, it was somehow unfair to, you know, we didn't say enough about Purdue. And first of all, this is not really in reference to me because I wasn't doing the show recently. But, you know, not fair because, hey, you know, it's just an excuse. Purdue's okay. They're, they're fine to lose when, when they go on the road to get blown out by Nebraska. Nobody was beating Nebraska that night. Okay, so in the fact that we can talk about like all the losses, if we tried to remember all the Indiana losses this year, (laughs) we'd have a heck of a long show. Like I I can remember them, but I have to go back and remember how bad they were. Okay, so at this point, we're looking at uh, we're looking at a Purdue team that has been just absolutely dominant. Okay, yes, they stunk against Ohio State, but no. They are not going to lose the Big Ten. They are going to win the Big Ten. They're probably going to win the Big Ten tournament. That's kind of a crapshoot. Nobody ever really knows how that week's going to go. Now you're in Minneapolis, too, so that adds an extra dimension where everybody's really traveling. You know, the home-ish team is Minnesota, and I don't think they really have a legitimate chance to make the tournament. I think Ben Johnson's got a pretty good team. You know, they're better, way better than they were last year. They had two wins in the Big Ten last mm-hmm. year. But, you know... No real advantage. So you're really playing a true neutral site. You know, in past years, if Indiana or Purdue or even like Illinois is really good, playing an Indy is a big time advantage. Um, but let's talk about the Boilermakers. Last night, absolutely destroyed Rutgers. And this is a team they have not been good against. 96 to 68. Offense for this Purdue team, I've been saying it all year, unstoppable. I don't think there is any offense in the country that's better. And it's not just because of Zach Eady, right? I mean, he obviously provides an extra dimension. But we got another text in, too. And I have to address this as well, okay? If Heidi can put consistently put up those numbers and play great defense, don't need Lawyer to do anything since he doesn't anyway. Okay, first of all, two things. Heidi's not going to put up those kind of numbers. He is not a caliber, uh, a player of that caliber. There is no way that you can consistently get that kind of production out of Camden Heidi. It's just not going to happen. Yes, he had 18 last night. Okay, so he pops off once in a while. Big deal. Are we really going to sit here and say, yes, I know Lawyer's had a horrible month. Okay, he has not played that well. He hasn't shot the ball well in the last five games. Uh, In fact, I was just looking back. He is, uh, let's see, he is one for seven this month in five games from the three-point line. So we're just going to magically ignore the fact that he's shooting 41% on the year still? Just just ignore that. Let's just throw that away. Let's just talk about how he doesn't do anything well. We don't need Lawyer to play, and let's just blame losses on Lawyer because he doesn't feed the post well enough. He doesn't facilitate the offense well enough. Because last year, the scapegoat was always Braden Smith. It was always, oh, no, the point guard play's not good enough. You know, he's, he's not good. He was... 
under-recruited for a reason, blah, 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 blah. Classic case of Purdue not using point guard play, and, and this is why they can never win in the tournament. Lawyer's good, okay? I get it. You're probably going to lose a little bit defensively. You have to have him on the floor. This is a guy that, again, need I remind you, in the month of January, you go through, and he made 3, 5, 7, 11, 12, 15, 16, 18 threes in the month of January. Yes, I know it's been a slow month. And he has so improved from the three-point line uh, over the course of this season than he was last year. Okay, Lawyer is a guy that has improved his three-point shooting a ton over the last couple of years. Since he's been at Purdue, as a freshman, he shoots thirty, actually less than 33%. This year, he's over 41%. Conference games, he is 46%. In conference games from three. So can we stop the lawyer hate, please? I I get it. You got to complain about somebody when you have the national player of the year starting up front. <laughs> a guy who's literally unguardable by anybody in college basketball. 7'4", 300 pounds. He can do whatever he wants inside. They've got perimeter shooters everywhere. They got a guy like Lance Jones that can handle the ball. They got a guy like Braden Smith who's now opened up his offensive game. Yes, they're a way more dynamic team. But can we stop complaining about Fletcher? <laughs> Seriously. This guy is legit, and I, I understand. Again, defensively, I'm not going to keep coming back to it, but I have to just get this point out. He had five assists last night. Stop. He had five <laughs> assists and one turnover last night, okay? The guy in five games this month has six turnovers. I, I, I just I don't understand. I, I do not get the hate. I really don't. And I watch almost every Purdue game, okay? I just the way that they play when he is on the floor is different when it's not, and it's better when he's on the floor. So I, I just I, I don't know. I don't know why a certain segment of the fan base has suddenly decided that they don't like Lawyer anymore because he's had like three bad games, and he's not even. It's not like he's killing him when he's on the floor, right? I mean, we talked about him making one three all month. He's attempted seven in five games, so he's basically attempted one a game. So let's just let's just back it up a little bit. Just back up the truck, you know. He, it's just you can't just abandon a guy. So do you really think Matt Painter's just going to say, "No, actually your career's done here," or we're just going to, "Yeah, maybe we'll come back to you next year because you need like a month and a half off." This is just not how this works. This guy is a legitimate player that shoots with the best of them in this league, and I am never going to understand the hate. It, it kind of ticks me off, honestly, because. And, and listen, I'm not trying to defend the guy. Like, I don't know him personally. I'm not trying to take a stand for lawyer because he's my buddy or whatever. I'm just saying I think it's unfair criticism. I, what do you think, Adam? Like, are, are you on the same deal as me? Do you got a different opinion? Because I'm curious. I don't know. It, it feels like Purdue fans have reached a point because they're good, right? Because they're so good that they're basically untouchable in most games. And there's totally different than last year. They are blowing teams out. When they play well – they're beating teams by 30. Rutgers is good, okay? I know they're not a tournament team, but the way they play defensively is good. They are a really good defensive team. Steve Peichel's teams always have been. And again, Purdue fans don't need reminded that they have really struggled against the Scarlet Knights. They've been, you know, three at the buzzer, half quarter. They've been beaten on that. Last year, they get beat by two at Mackey. Like, there's been disastrous moments against Rutgers. And I know he struggles on defense, okay? Not everybody can be an elite defender on the floor all the time. And if we really are seriously saying, oh, well, because he's had the last two or three games, he's been better, let's just let's just insert Camden Heidi into the lineup. <laughs> Is that really a legitimate option? You tell uh, me. I, I don't think so. And I think that Purdue's offense is really, you know, rolling when lawyers on the floor, whether he's scoring or not. 
And I don't think that a shooting slump is necessarily any reason to take him out of the starting lineup. I think that would also not be good for uh, a player's confidence, especially as we get closer and closer to March to just all yeah. of a sudden suddenly say, hey, lawyer, you're benched for Heidi. Uh, that doesn't yeah. do good things for the for the team or for the chemistry or for anybody's confidence heading into March. This and I, silly. I think it's more like more than likely that he gets out of the slump and then, you know, is ready oh. is, is ready to do the way he's been playing the, the, the rest of the earlier season in March. So hopefully they can do that. Yeah, and, and we got a text in and said, hey, you know, it's pointless having him out there because he doesn't score and he doesn't take shots. Well, let me just read to you the number of threes that he took in the month of January, okay? Just line by line here. These are just a, f- a select few examples of games that he took threes in. Three for six, four for four, two for six, two for three, three for five. That's just on threes, okay? Uh, and I might remind, you know, folks, again, not that it's it's some great accomplishment to beat Indiana, but for a Purdue team that lost to IU twice last year, I, I think it probably carries some weight. He goes four for four in that game and goes for 20 points, uh, 19 points on the road at Assembly Hall, right? And five of seven from the foul line. Three assists as well. And, and this is not never going to be a guy that, that sh- like dishes out assists constantly. I don't know, man. This is, this is a guy that has a track record of success. He's shooting almost 42% on the season. Just get out of here with that. A, a total miss, in my opinion. This is a guy that needs to keep seeing the floor and I think is a key to produce success from the perimeter come next month. If they want to have success in March, they need a guy like that to consistently get warm. Now, will that happen? I don't know, but they need a guy like that. Uh, even though they have plenty of other options, Heidi ain't one of them. So let's not come back to that. Hey, we're coming up with Comets coming up this weekend. They are on the road wheeling tonight and then at Toledo on Sunday. 21 games left in the regular season, all against divisional opponents. We're going to talk to Shane Alberani, the voice of the Comets next. Then coming up at the top of the next hour, we're talking IU women's basketball. They're upset of Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes last night and sprinkling a little IU baseball too. They're in the top 25 and uh, the best program in the state. Austin Render, the voice of IU women's basketball and baseball, will join us just after 5 o'clock. Stick around. More Sports Rush on the way. 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Purdue Fort Wayne men's basketball coach John Coffin, and you're listening to The Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Go Dons! Welcome back to this Friday afternoon of the Sports Rush, and we are talking hockey in this hour. We're joined now by Comets play-by-play radio guy Shane Alberani, the voice of the Comets. Shane, how are you this afternoon? Thanks a lot for hopping on. Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks a lot for having me. You bet. Uh, hey, Comets are on a road trip here. This is a, a team that is not quite in desperation mode yet. Sometimes I think the fan base overreacts just a little bit. But there is a little bit of urgency right now. In Wheeling tonight at Toledo on Sunday, this figures to be a pretty big weekend for a team that only has divisional opponents left, yeah? Yeah, and and, and the next handful of games are against uh, the top two teams of the division uh, in Wheeling and Toledo. So uh, have not fared very well against Toledo this year, but the comments are 2-0 and against Wheeling. Yeah, th- this is a group, Shane, that has... Uh, lost four straight. They have gone two six and one in February, on pace to miss the playoffs for the first time since 2013. And I, again, that, that's kind of the the gloom and doom scenario here. But still, 21 games left in the season. And yes, they are. Uh, they've played more games than some of the other teams that are around them in the division. And other teams are heating up. Indy's won seven in a row. Uh, they've kind of extended their lead over the Comets. But there still seems to be plenty of time left. Am I am I wrong? Is that too sunny of an outlook for this team? 
Uh, well, you know, like you said, you know, it is urgency, but uh, you can see that uh, desperation uh, on the horizon, kind of depending on how this weekend goes. And it goes back to the team that well, right now or actually has gone ahead of the Comets uh, in the standings. It's Kalamazoo, and they have got uh, four games at hand. So the Comets really have to play like, hey, we're already out of the playoffs by eight points, and we need to make that up. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's urgency going into tonight, but it, it might be desperation after the weekend. Well, we've seen some of the comments, you know, we've seen players speak out. We've seen what other media guys have to say. In, in your opinion, from your viewpoint, what has been the biggest thing for this team, maybe over the last month? I and mean, we can talk season-long storylines in a second, but I, I just want to get a feel over the last month. Where are the problems stemming from for this Comets team? Well, you, you, it's just been very inconsistent here in the month of February. You know, uh, you know the injuries happen, the call-ups happen. That happens every year. Uh, this team just hasn't quite adjusted to that yet. Uh, you know, uh, the Comets lost another two guys. They lost Connor Corcoran to a call-up. They lost uh, Ethan Kepin uh, to Hartford. So that's just making it that just more difficult uh, on them coming in uh, to this weekend. But, uh, you know, Wheeling's a team that also got called up. They got uh, hit hard with the call-up. So uh, tonight's game is going to be real interesting uh, to see, you know, who comes out of the dressing room. And, and it's really been the Comets not been able to put together – 60 minutes of hockey really since sometime in January. And that's really, that's been the issue. And, and, and there has been guys who, uh, you know, were hot first half of the season, but haven't done much uh, here in the second half. So those are the guys, uh, you know, who, who we expect to, to, to step up here this weekend. Yeah. And mentioned too, of course, the, the road trip wraps up on Sunday with a game against Toledo. And that is a team that the Comets have really struggled against one, six and one. Yes. The walleye have a tremendous club, but there is, is there something, one thing in particular that just hasn't worked for the Comets against the walleye specifically this year? Or do you feel like it's just a, a bad matchup in many ways? <laughs> it's, you know, it's just, uh, uh, Toledo has, has a psychological edge, put it that way. Uh, this year, you know, it, it goes back to the game, uh, uh, where the Comets were up four to one. Uh, in the second period, ended up losing the game seven to four. Uh, so it, it goes back to all the way back uh, to October when that happened. So uh, you know the Comets just you know they, they Toledo is such a streaky team. Uh, they're a team that just kind of eats up, and once you think you got them down, you know they they rattle off three four goals in five six minutes. So it, it, again, it just goes back to playing sixty minutes of hockey, and that's one thing that uh, the Comets just have not been able to do, and, and a lot of it. I think stems from this is a very young team, uh, incredibly young. So you had a lot of rookies on this team that are still trying to just figure out uh, pro hockey, and a lot of guys have not played this many games. So the learning curve continues, even though we're getting ready uh, to get into the month of March. Talking with Shane Alberani here on the Sports Rush on this Friday afternoon. Hey, the, the trade deadline coming up. And it's not for another month almost in uh, mid to late March. You know, the Comets only have 10 games left in the season at that time. Is that anything? Maybe I'm just spitballing here, but is there any chance the, the Comets and the organization attempt to make a move or a, a series of moves before that time? Well, I think anything and everything's on the table, uh, really kind of depending on what happens this weekend, uh, because you don't know when you're going to get Matt Wedman back, who, you know, when he, he, this team is a different team when Matt Wedman is out and he's at, three AHL call-ups this year. And, uh, you know, and who knows? You know, you, you uh, are in touch with your, your AHL team. You know, you could get Cam Wright back. You can get Connor Corcoran back. You can get uh, Carl Berglund back. So, uh, you know, pulling the trigger on a trade is something where they're going to have to be sure that uh, they know these guys aren't coming back for uh, for a long time. Uh, so, uh, 
yeah, I, I think you're kind of probably looking at what you, what you have right now. But, again, uh, everything is on the table, especially, you know, if you don't have a good showing this weekend. Well, what is your pulse on the locker room right now? What's the mood inside that locker room? You know, a, a lot of guys in there are saying, hey, there, there's still lots of belief here. Are, are you getting the same vibes? Oh, yeah. These, yeah, these guys are, are – they know what's on the line, and, and they know – what they need to do, you know, it's it's not uh, a matter of desire here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just hard, you know, when you're getting guys in and out of the lineup, getting that consistency on the ice, and uh, and, and being able to play with the same lines and actually have uh, practices where you have the same guys in the lineup. So, uh, the comments actually they they, they signed a rookie uh, out of Lakehead University, uh, Griffin Fox. He'll make his pro debut tonight. So it's it's college signing season. So expect to see uh, some influx of uh, players. Uh, through that so you know you get a sometimes you get fresh legs and a fresh perspective and uh, uh you get a little spark plug going so uh uh yeah you know again it, it, the comments just taking this game by game let's we're you know they're really in playoff mode you know we got 21 games left but this is now a 21 game playoff so uh you just got to go with uh let's win tonight and we'll worry about sunday on sunday yeah you mentioned griffin fox uh what else can you tell him tell us about him and, and potentially adding a little juice to this lineup yeah, you know, he's a, he's a forward coming out of a, a Canadian university. He's a guy who, who can score. He, he's got some offensive prowess, which is good. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have to see how he adjusts to the pro game. And it's, it's such kind of a different world. Some guys really take to it immediately, but some guys uh, take a moment. So, uh, you know, we'll see uh, where uh, Coach uh, Jesse Kallick, he, uh throws him in the lineup tonight. Now he'll be uh, the 11th forward. So we'll see where they decide to play him because, of course, uh, Diamond Hands, Daniel Amsbury has been uh, on that, uh, that, uh, that 11th spot here for a couple of weeks. So whether they move him up to get him some more ice time or they just throw Griffin Fox in uh, on the 10th forward, uh, we'll, be, we'll, we'll see here tonight. Well, speaking of tonight at uh, West Banco Arena against Wheeling, puck drops at 7-10. What are the keys to this game here tonight? You mentioned playing 60 minutes of complete hockey and trying to put that together has been a struggle. It's happened a few times you know, throughout the course of the season, but has not happened consistently. Well, what else is important here tonight, trying to get off to the weekend on a, on a strong foot, given the challenges ahead with Toledo looming on Sunday? Well, this team is a different team when they have the lead. So getting on the board early uh, and often is going to be paramount here because this team just is, is, is just doesn't play well when they're behind, but they're a different team when they get that lead. And, uh, you know, the comments have had great goaltending all year long. If there's one thing that you have not been able to criticize, it has been the goaltending. Yeah. So not sure who's going to get the start tonight, but playing – if playing for those guys, because those, those, the three goaltenders the Comets have work hard every single night and they're quality goaltenders and, you know, you don't want to waste good goaltending. So, uh, the Comets have got to get some production. There's some guys who have not scored, you know, Alexi Daou, who had a great first half of the season, but he's disappeared here in the sec, uh, the second. Uh, Evan Cormier is another guy. I've been with, with guys like Keppen and Wedman out of the lineup now. Well, those are the two guys that you're going to have to look for, uh, to start putting the, putting the puck in the back of the net. So, and this is a wheeling team that, again, that's been hit with a lot of call-ups. And they've dropped two out of three after winning 12 straight. So they're going to be a little panicking a little bit here uh, tonight as well. So uh, it, this could be a real interesting game when you've got two teams that are juggling the lineup as much as they are. Buck drops at 7-10 tonight at West Benko Arena. And you did say the locker room, of course, not looking ahead, taking things one game at a time. But uh, anything you could tell us going into the Toledo matchup on Sunday afternoon, which certainly figures to be a big one for the Comets as well. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, again, we're just worried about worried about tonight. And then and then we'll worry about it. It's nice to, 
to have a Saturday off, which is rare. Right. That's uh, right. You know, the Comets do get that night off. Uh, so, you know, we'll be able uh, to, to get in uh, early in the morning back at back and home, and, and the Comets can, uh, and, and the coaching staff can regroup and, and figure out what we're going to do on Sunday. So, uh, you know, going into the Huntington Center, of course, is a tough place to play, but the Comets have won there uh, this season. So hopefully they'll be able uh, to pull a couple more points out of uh, Toledo and, Again, just just uh, working one day at a time. You got 21 games left. They're all against division opponents, so you you do control your destiny a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just uh, hard work in 60 minutes. I know that's a cliche, but it, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> right on the heels of a turning point of the season here, Shane Alberani, voice of the Comets. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Look forward to your call tonight. All right, thanks, bye guys. All right, so 7:10 is puck drop tonight. Broadcast starts just before that over on our sister station, WoWo, 92.3 FM, 1190 AM, West Banco Arena against Wheeling, and the Comets back in action. 5.15 puck drop on Sunday afternoon at the Huntington Center against the Toledo Walleye. Remember, 21 games left in the regular season for Fort Wayne. They are trying to make that final push for the playoffs, and the rest of their games are against divisional opponents. So certainly... Plenty of time to make up some ground, but they've got to start going and going pretty hard. Definitely a big point in the season here for the K's, trying to avoid their first playoff miss since back in 2013. Thanks a lot to Shane Alberani. We'll take a timeout when we come back. More Sports Rush on the other side. You're listening to 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.